This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. This is your host, Darren Hood. Glad that you are able to join us on today. Uh, And a special welcome, as always, to those who are joining us for the very first time for this, our last episode of 2021. We hope that everybody is doing what they can to stay safe. It has been a very long, uh, almost two years now. Uh, I am a COVID survivor, by the way. Very fortunate, very happy. And I hope that everyone is doing what you can to be safe and hoping that we can get through the last of this, what appears to be the last of it. Omicron is raging, um, but let's do what we can and let's be safe. I want to see everybody. I want to know everybody is doing well uh, as we come out of it. Let's hang in there and do what you can to be safe. And this is our, our last episode of 2021. We had a really enriching, it, it was Really had a ball talking to Eric and to Michelle last week. It was really, really wonderful. There were so many nuggets of wisdom that came forth, just really enriching. I had a ball. I always love having people on the show and looking forward to the guests that I'm lining up already for 2022. But to wrap the year up, uh, we are going to go back to our, our segue topic of UX potpourri. We're not done talking about emotional intelligence and UX, but to wrap up the year, I thought we'd go into a a little bit of a lighter mode, if you will, in that we're just going to cover some Q&A. We're going to cover some hot topics in UX, and we're just going to wrap the year up that way. So to start us off, I'm going to dive right in because I've got to relatively lengthy list. I wouldn't say it's exhaustive, but a relatively lengthy list in that I know it's going to take me a while to address each one of the things that's on the list today. But to start us off, I wanted to to issue a special invitation to everyone for our UX Chit Chat Hour. Now, the, the UX Chit Chat Hour is something we've been doing for a year now. We are going to be celebrating our year anniversary of the UX Chit Chat Hour on this coming Thursday. Thursday, December 30th, we will have been meeting for a year, just connecting with and spending time talking to UXers from all over the world. We just come together for roughly an hour and 15 minutes. Sometimes it actually extends. This one's going to extend a little longer, I'm sure, where we just get together and we just talk about whatever. Whatever topics come up, the the purpose of the UX Chit Chat Hour is to give people an opportunity to come together, to sharpen saws, to hear perspectives of other people from around the world, to connect with people who love, appreciate, and have a heart 
for the discipline of user experience. There is never a set topic. We've never had a set speaker. We just come together, and it's similar to Zoom. We meet on something called AirMeet. It's similar to Zoom in that you're going to click a link and you're going to come in, but when you come in, there are tables that are set up, something like Remo. Remo is another one of those applications that does something similar. You come in, you pick a table, and then you go to the table and you interact with the people at that table. While you're there, you can move from table to table, but if you want to stay at that one table, if the conversation's going great, you don't want to move, that's fine too. But an hour and 15 minutes, basically, minimally, where we can just talk about whatever, whatever the hot topic is at that table, that's what's going to be addressed. Whatever's on people's minds, that's what's going to happen. Sometimes we have new UXers that come in and they're asking questions about what they can do. And we start talking about portfolios. We start talking about what you can do to, to better equip yourself, to, to further your career, to launch your career in UX. People come in and they talk about their challenges. Sometimes we come in and we just talk about things that are going on uh, that, that are not so great uh, in UX. What happens all in all, no matter what the topic is, at any given table, at any given time, no matter what's happening, everybody leaves enriched and invigorated. And, and it's not that we haven't had our challenges. There, there have been very few, though. I, I will say that. Very, very, very few challenges. But I've had a ball being the facilitator of this event. Uh, everybody that I talk to that that comes back to me and shares their thoughts. They all love it. People start to make time for it. Uh, it could be a small group. It could be a relatively large group. And by large, I mean 50, 60 people. That's about the most that's ever been to any one of these events. But uh, we will continue. The, there has been never been a reason to stop. We, we did it on a hunch. There was never any, like, we've got to do this. And we planned it out. We just said, you know what? If we make, make time, for give a venue for UXers to connect, I think it could work. So we just did it. We being the group of us that got it started, who were who were part of that first that first uh, event, the the actual first UX chit chat hour. We just did it, and and it really went over well. So I've been really happy. I've seen other people who have started doing the same thing. Uh, that <laughs> and that I have some feelings about that. It's fine that people are doing it. I have no problem with that in general. It's just funny. We, I will say this from a UX community perspective, one of the reasons that we struggle is because we have too many people out here that are trying to be celebrities and trying to do their own thing. And they have a very difficult time supporting other people. If you see somebody else doing something and it's of note and it's of merit, if you really want to further the discipline, let's get behind it. Let's support it. If, if, if there's a reason to not support it, it's going to be painstakingly obvious. But if there's no reason to not support it, if we really want the discipline to do better, we as a group of UXers, as a, a UX people, we need to be a whole lot better at making sure to help someone. If somebody has a good podcast, share the word. If somebody is, is, is speaking at an event or they did a good talk and it's available, share it. If somebody had a post on LinkedIn or or they tweeted something and it's of merit and it's something that will benefit the discipline, then share it, like it, get the word out there because 
there's a lot of things going on in UX today that are not good. And it's getting a lot of what people would consider it to be support. And, and that's part of what's creating issues for our discipline today. So it'd be great. Uh, I, I'm not going to hold my breath, on it, but it would be great if people would be better at that. Uh, you know, think people are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, but I am still going to at least try to remind people and hope that I can sort of stir up the pot that people will be better at supporting because it's something that we lack. And I'm sure a lot of people out there have seen the same. I know some people have told me that they see the same. We need to be better at that and, and we'll be better off for it. So if you are so inclined, if your schedule permits, and if you are willing to make some t- uh, 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 make it a point to come and be a part of the UX Chit Chat Hour, if you find my link, you can search for UX Chit Chat Hour on LinkedIn. Uh, it's an event. You will find it. The registration and the link to access is there, and and you can come on out and be a part. For those of you who are on mobile, there was a time where you could not join the UX Chit Chat Hour via mobile phone. They have made some improvements where you're able to join via mobile phone or via tablet, but you must do it through a browser. So there is no AirMeet app. You have to join through a browser, just so you know. But come on out, celebrate with us. It's our year anniversary. Uh, Let some people meet you. Come out and let your voice be heard. Come out and help somebody else who's who's in need of help. And and, and I will say, and segueing on to the next topic I want to cover today, uh, that it is true, UX meetups in this age of misinformation, UX meetups can be a dangerous place. I would hope that folks would trust that you, I am not a source of misinformation. A lot of the people that gravitate to me are not sources of misinformation. That'll give you an idea of the kinds of people that tend to frequent the UX Chit Chat Hour. And, and when misinformation has tried to rear its ugly head, uh, no, we do not tolerate it because it's not respectful to anyone. It doesn't help the discipline. So somebody says, oh, I'm not coming now because you're doing that. That's fine, too. So we're all about the discipline, folks that listen to the podcast. You know what I'm about. You know where my heart is. You know what my passion is. You know I'm not a nasty guy. You know I'm a passionate guy. And and, uh, please don't mistake the passion for anger or anything else. Uh, I just care. I care one whole heck of a lot. And I hope people will understand that and know that I'm here to promote everything that's associated with Pure UX for our good so that we can be better, so the discipline can be better, so that those coming into the discipline will have a clearer and a more prosperous path in UX. Those are the types of things that we want to see. So whether it's the Chit Chat Hour, the podcast, the, the, the UX Uncensored channel on YouTube, whatever it is, when it comes to my resources, that's what all these things are about. So anyway, I wanted to promote the UX Chit Chat Hour, and hopefully some people will be able to come by and grace us with your presence on this Thursday. Next up, I wanted to touch on, a lot of these are going to be quick hits today from here. I saw a post on on LinkedIn, and I think it was coming from an article. And the, the post was talking about, it was addressing a question. And the question was, what is the difference between a product designer and a UX designer? And, and I saw this question, and I was really taken aback in that 
the the parties that sought to answer the question were not really taking a holistic um, perspective. They weren't approaching it that way. So I'm just going to address it here uh, briefly. The we know about UX and we know what a UX designer was, and in general. A lot of people know what UX design is all about. And, and this question, of course, has to do really with titles uh, of the title of a UX designer and the title of product designer. One thing I want to make sure to point out is that when you see job postings or you see people, their titles, LinkedIn is the most predominant place you're going to see this, where you see, uh, you see X number of people that are in your network and I mean, I, I, my title is principal product designer in, in, in addition to my being a professor at a few universities. The, we need to make sure that we get off this kick of, of job titles in that what a person's job title is is not necessarily reflective of who they are. Uh, somebody can have the title UX designer. Until you talk to them, you really don't know what they're doing. When you talk to, I'm a principal product designer, you can talk to me, I can tell you what I do and my job during the day, and then you can leave the, the coffee table from talking to me, talk to another person at another table, and their title is principal product designer, and what they're doing at their job is completely different. So the, that's the first thing that came to mind when I saw this, this post, because we can't address job titles without addressing the ambiguity that exists in, in professional spaces because a product designer at one company is not the product designer at the next 10 to 15 companies that you see. We don't all do the same thing. I'm a principal product designer, but I operate as a UX designer. Principal product designer is just my title. It's not necessarily who I am when, when you hear some people talk about what a product designer is. Because in general, a product designer is a person that pretty much is an order taker where somebody's trying to design something. They let the product designer know what they're trying to do. The product designer takes the order, goes back, puts together exactly what the person has asked them to do, hands it over, and then they're done and they move over to the next thing. UX design is more of a, more of a scientific mode of operation where you're going to ask questions, not that the other ones don't ask questions, but for the most part, there's a lot of order taking, taking uh, going on over there. And again, it does vary from company to company, so we, we can't get away from that. But UX design and product design in general is different in that UX designers are not order takers, product designers are order takers, and product designers in many cases is nothing more than a fancy way of approaching visual design and allowing visual designers to get involved in the world of UX and just giving them a different title other than a visual designer title. Whereas a UX designer is getting involved in information architecture, doing research. It's, it's a, it's a very holistic term and it embraces the holistic aspect of the user experience discipline. I venture to say, and I have heard people try to explain the difference between the two and I've never heard anybody say what I just said, uh, other than maybe one other person who I know is set up for the defense of the discipline and, and for the, the proper representation of the discipline. But you're not going to ask a question like that from just anybody 
and get a correct answer. So, and that's as far as I'm going to go with this particular topic today is that don't get caught up. You can see 10 people with the title UX designer. They're all doing something different. 10 people with the title product designer. They're all doing something different. You see somebody else, they've got some other title that came from God knows where. Don't get caught up in the titles. Talk to people, find out what they do because you have a position at an organization and organizations have different needs and they're going to populate their UX teams with people to do the work based on what their needs are. And it's not uniform. It's not standard from company to company to company to company. And a lot of people address hot topics in UX without keeping something like that in mind. So I want to challenge people. Just remember that you're not going to come up with a clear cut answer that's going to be applicable across the board. We can only give you a general answer because the the work that's being done by the people with these titles simply is not the same from company to company. So we'll leave it at that. Next topic. Uh, it's funny. You have a lot of people today. The topic of imposter syndrome is really, really a hot topic. It's popular. People are talking about it everywhere. I'm not going to go into this in great detail, not on today's episode. Those of you who connect with me on Medium, you will see that I have an article out there, a blog post called The Harsh Truth About Imposter Syndrome. And I don't want to get into it in great detail today because I have so many other things to cover. The one thing I am going to address today is this. There are a lot of people, and they'll tell you, they feel like they're imposters. What I want to make sure to charge people with today and to bring to your attention today is that while there are a lot of people who feel like they're imposters, folks, a lot of people feel like they're imposters because they are. And and people come behind them, and when they say that they feel like they're imposters, people come behind them and immediately come to their aid, come to their quote-unquote rescue, and try to make them feel better about the fact that they feel that they're imposters. They never vet them out. They never ask them why they feel that way. A lot of these people do not look at the history of imposter syndrome to find out what they're really addressing, and they really get sucked into, unbeknownst to them, a trap, and you end up becoming an enabler. People will say that they feel like they're imposters because they actually are. If you ever feel self-doubt, if you ever have a confidence issue, everybody does, can, and has at some point in time, and what you have to do, you either going to have a support system that you can tap into, a legitimate one, a legitimate support system, not a cotler, uh, but a, a legitimate support system, even when somebody will tell you that you're wrong when you're wrong, if that's what you need to hear, someone who's going to give you the, the that, 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 what do they call that, that, that tough love, because that's what goes a long way. That's the thing that sticks to your ribs. That's the thing that helps us to really achieve excellence. But coddling someone, it doesn't do those types of things. It just, if a person is out of order, if a person is wrong, if a person needs to grow, if a person needs to accept accountability and own what may be going on in their lives, we need somebody who's going to tell us that because that's the only way that you're really going to excel today. So I'm going to challenge people to do that today. Again, remember, some people feel like they're imposters because they just are. So you don't want to be an enabler. If somebody feel, if you feel like you're an imposter listening to my podcast today, if you feel sometime like that you have self-doubt, if you feel that, that you lack something, how about 
one quick, simple uh, <laughs> solution. If you feel you lack something, just go get it. If you feel that you need to bring more to the table, then just go get more so you can bring more to the table. There's such an easy response. You feel like an imposter, then go and make yourself legitimate. Go and make sure that you're legitimate. But don't don't fabricate it. Don't falsify it. That's not the EQ thing to do as we tap into that a little bit. But let's make sure, be the real deal, and you'll be in a good place. That, that's all you have to do. And next thing you know, you won't talk ever talk about imposter syndrome ever again. Go be the real deal, and you never have to worry about that. Next, we want to talk about a, a phrase that I've coined recently, and it keeps coming up, and I thought I'd cover it on this episode, and it's that of a what we call a UX hamster. And so someone was asking me, what do I mean by that? What in the world is a UX hamster? And I bring to people's mind and folks have, they, they know more than they think they know. Sometimes we just have to stir up their remembrance a bit, but we've all either had or seen a hamster. They, they get into the wheel and they just run and run and run. They have wheels like that for cats now as well too. And they, they just run and run and run and run and run. And when they're done running, they get off of the wheel and they're right back in their little bowl or little cage or whatever. And But the thing is, they expended a ton of energy. They burned a bunch of calories. They did all types of things. They're, they're, if it's a human that was in the same position, we'd be sweating, sweating up a storm. We get on treadmills. We do the same thing when we get on treadmills. But the thing is, with all of that energy expended and with all of that effort, when you are done, you're still in the same exact place. You have made zero progress. You haven't gone anywhere even though you may have felt like that you've gone five or 10 miles, the truth of the matter is you have not. A UX hamster, using that metaphor, a UX hamster is a person who is engaged in busy work. They're moving fast. They're expending a lot of energy. They're, they, they, are, they are sweating. They're, 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 they're in a state where they are feel they have engaged in a, in a sense, uh, I think about people who sweat profusely, think, think the same thing, but, but from a metaphorical perspective where you've put forth so much effort and it feels like you've done so much. But the truth of the matter is when you finish with all that work and you get out of the quote unquote wheel, you've gone nowhere, you've done nothing, and you've made no progress. A UX hamster is a person who looks busy, Looks like they're getting a lot done, but the truth of the matter is they really haven't done anything at all. And, and some people refer to it as UX theater. Uh, someone else coined that phrase. I don't have a full understanding of that, so I can't use it. Uh, but I really, from what I have seen, I, I get the impression that when I'm talking about a UX hamster, it's pretty much the same as UX theater. So if you've seen somebody talk about UX theater, it's basically the same thing. Make sure that you are doing the right thing. Don't just do a thing. Do the right thing as a UX professional. Don't just get into busy work. Make sure that you're doing things that brings about, about progress. Make sure that you're actually solving design problems. Make sure that you're bringing values for your clients and your stakeholders and that you're properly representing your team. Because if you're just jumping in a hamster wheel, eventually somebody's going to know it. And eventually they're going to hold you to task. You're going to detrimentally impact your personal brand, detrimentally impact your team's brand. You're going to bring down the, the value perception of the team within your organization. So don't be 
a UX hamster. So there it is for that one. There's, uh, I've had a few conversations with people on to the next topic. Uh, uh, with regard to the people celebrate getting a certificate. They'll say, you know, uh, I'm so happy I finished this program. You'll see people on LinkedIn often. I just finished the program with Google. I just finished a program with this other group over here. And they'll post a, a, a screenshot or or really sometimes the actual certificate that they got in completing some UX training program. And they will many times will refer to themselves as being certified. And and I want to address this today because it's, it's becoming more and more popular, more and more common for people to do something like this. And we really need to start the ball rolling in the other direction, so to speak, by sharing this news that, folks, think for a minute. What does certify mean? What is the definition of certified? It means, by definition, to confirm formally as true, accurate, and genuine, number one, Number two, it means to guarantee that the person has met a particular standard. That's what it means to be certified. And for some reason, and it's probably wishful thinking, but for some reason, when people get a certificate, and because the root word is certified, they, they assume that they are now certified when all they got was a certificate of completion for having completed whatever program they went through. Uh, folk, that, that's not, that's not, the fact that a person has a certificate does not mean that you are certified. It means that you completed whatever program you were in. That's it. And nobody else other than the institution or the organization that you got that certificate of completion from is held to honor that certificate of completion. So it doesn't mean anything to anybody else that you got a certificate of completion from that particular program. It means nothing. No, no employer has to honor it. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you a job. Nothing. It, it is proof that you have completed that program. That is all. Now, when it comes to your growth as a user experience professional, Consider in mind that, that, or keep in mind, I should say, that that's a building block. It's something that, it's only one of many things. Remember, I've been doing UX now for 26 years, and I'm still learning, and so will you be. It, there's never an end to the journey. You're always sharpening your, your saw. You're always trying to get better. You're always looking at things from different angles. Uh, there's a reason why we iterate on our designs. Nobody has ever whipped out a perfect design the first time around. And even when we have been successful, you start working on the next version of it as soon as you're done deploying one. So we, we never arrive, so to speak. So don't think that you're going to go through a program at Google or or inter, uh, Interaction Design Foundation or anywhere else and feel like you've arrived. You have not. You just have a piece. If you go through it and read a book, that's a piece. If you come to the UX Chit Chat Hour and there's some fruitful conversation that helps to open up your eyes about certain things and it, it really whets your appetite and makes you want to go in a particular direction, that conversation is just a piece. Everything that we do to grow and to further ourselves in the discipline is nothing more than a piece. You could get a master's degree in UX. 
You can get a PhD in cognitive psychology. It doesn't matter. No matter what you do, it is a piece of your particular career puzzle. It's a piece of your puzzle that builds you as a UX professional. That's it, folks. It's a piece. So, no, if you get a certificate of completion, you are not certified. In order to be certified, there's usually a test. There's usually a body of approvers that has to give that to you. Uh, but just because you went to a boot camp or something else like that, that doesn't mean that now you're certified. And even if you did, there's still something else for you to grow and something else for you to know. So when you complete something, I, I have no no issues, of course. I had to say this for the record. Celebrate your, your completion. You're glad that you hung in there. Glad you did what it, what it took. But that's just a piece. It's just a piece of the puzzle. So don't don't get caught up in that and then drop the microphone and act like you you've reached some critical point. Uh, no, you're especially if you're an entry level person. That's one of many pieces you're going to acquire. So just continue on the journey. You finish that one. Good. Move on to another one. And and uh, everybody will be better for it. I want to close. I, I am not through this list at all. So I'll continue this another time. It may or may not be next week, but I want to cover one more little topic here and we'll wrap up with this. I, I often encounter, I talk to a lot of, of new UX professionals, people who are entry level, people who are interested in UX, people who are just getting started. I talk to people a lot. And, and one of the things that I've heard them say that I've heard other people that are evaluating applicants say is that they frequently say that, you know, we need to give these these entry-level UX people a chance. And, and so there's this almost like a mantra, if you will, of give them a chance, give them a chance, give them a chance, give them a chance. And as I normally do, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in that because I want people to really sharpen their, their, their saw when it comes to this mindset as well. And I'm here to tell you that the give people a chance mantra or mindset is actually destructive. It's a destructive factor, and I'm going to explain why. Now, uh, and first, I'm going to start here. Am I against hiring entry-level people? Absolutely not. I work and have given a lot of my own personal time to help people who are at the early stages in their U.S. career to be equipped, help them to get better, uh, better prepared for their interviews, uh, things of that nature, and many of them that I know of, they they succeed. They go on and they come back and they tell me and we celebrate together. So when I say that there's a destructive factor, I want to make sure that you hear me the right way. The destructive factor that's associated with giving people a chance, because you're going to give people a chance, okay? But I say throw that out. Here's what I'm saying that we should do instead, and I'll tell you what the destructive factor is. When you are hiring for entry-level people, just vet them out the same way you do with anybody else. You're going to hire the entry-level people that are best suited for your team. You're going to hire the entry-level people because a lot of entry-level people are, they are of the mindset that they need to lie to get a job. So uh, those of you out there who feel that way, you need to drop that. This discipline is dependent upon integrity and ethics. We have to earn the trust 
of our clients and our stakeholders. And so if you interview for the job and you're willing to lie, you've already put a really sour ingredient in the foundation of your UX career uh, and you have nothing to offer. I'm gonna tell you that now. When I, when I see lies and I've seen a ton of them in resumes over my years, I've heard people lie in their interviews. I've seen people misrepresent who they are. Those people are not going to help the discipline today. And there's enough of that that's on the loose right now. That's not the destructive part. Again, make sure when you're interviewing and you're vetting out and you're evaluating these people, find the best talent you can. Folks out there, nobody owes you a job. Just keep competing. Be patient. Because when it goes to getting that first UX gig, you're competing against a ton of other entry-level people. So you want to make yourself the absolute best candidate you can possibly be so that people can understand what's in it for them if they bring you on board. That's, that's what's going to matter when it comes to that. So we don't even have to bring, give them a chance into into our, our thinking when it comes to evaluating people or hiring people. It's not about giving them a chance. It's about hiring the right person. Anybody who's, who's <laughs> if all you're doing is giving somebody a chance, you're taking an unnecessary risk. You're taking an unnecessary risk. Even if you do want to, quote unquote, give somebody a chance, it's better to give somebody a chance in a constructive way, which still requires you to throw away the give somebody a chance. Is the person worth it? Is the person going to bring value? You are not going to hire somebody in your organization that's not in a position to bring value. When you say give somebody a chance, is any organization, uh, uh, is this a charity? Are you just, just walk out on the street. If you want to give somebody a chance, just walk out in the street and hire anybody. Oh, you're not going to do that, you say? Then you see what I'm getting at. Give somebody a chance is a destructive force in that it will cause you to hire people who do need an opportunity, which is different than give somebody a chance. And I won't get into where I'm splitting hairs on that. And yeah, I might be splitting hairs on it, but I think it's worth it. So it's beneficial. So I'll continue to do that. Some people are looking for an opportunity. Some people do need an opportunity. But when you give somebody a chance, you're making yourself a, a charity and charity in business. Are, uh, no, we're not. The, the, the business UX is about bringing value. So I can't just have bodies in seats. We can't do that. We need somebody who's going to bring value. And, I, and I'll, I'll leave that part there. Now, the destructive factor that's really behind to give them a chance that I want to touch on more than anything else is how that people will say, you know, we need to give these people a chance. And in their quote unquote, giving people a chance, they strip someone else of what they're entitled to, what they're responsible for, what they should, it, it, it becomes this thing where you, you give one person a chance, but you take away the other person's, Standard mode of operation. Well, how can you give one person a chance, but now the other person can't do their job? How can you give one person a chance, but now you silence the other individual? How can you give one person a chance, but you render the other person irrelevant? You render the other person non-existent? 
you render other people invisible. See, this whole give people a chance thing, it's funny how people will give somebody a chance and then shut somebody else down simultaneously. That's what I mean by the destructive factor behind give them a chance. It circumvents the the operation of any given UX team at almost any given time. I've seen people say, we need to give this person a chance And then the team becomes dysfunctional because what they bring into the team is so counterproductive, but they were so determined to give this person a chance that they were willing to put the entire team's reputation, operation, value proposal, value perception. They were willing to put all of that at risk just to give somebody a chance. That makes absolutely no sense. But folks, it is extremely common today. People are operating under this give them a chance mindset and teams are suffering. They're they're suffering from a reputation standpoint. They're suffering attrition because some of the people who are getting shut down because of them giving somebody a chance, they end up leaving and going to other companies. Millions, if not billions of dollars are at stake just because collectively, just because folks want to give somebody a chance, it's not a wise thing to do. Give somebody an opportunity? Sure. And again, someone may say that I'm splitting hairs. I think that it's important and that it is beneficial sometimes, and I can see a difference. I do. You may not today, but I do see a huge difference between giving somebody an opportunity and giving them a chance and how it makes the person who's giving the opportunity and the person who's giving the chance, how it makes them think when it comes to the individual that they're giving the opportunity or giving the chance to. It, it, it actually affects someone at that cognitive level. It affects the way that you think, the way you perceive, and even what your expectations are of that individual. So we've all had opportunities. And when that happens, nobody's really operating as a charity or treating you as a charity case when they did it. But instances where I have literally heard people say, just give the person a chance. (laughs) Those were not the most, (laughs) how can I say, the most fertile scenarios when I've heard those terms actually used. The person was failing. The person didn't have a lot to offer. It wasn't, people actually didn't have a bright outlook when those types of things came up. I've seen all types of things come up, which is one of the reasons why I'm willing to put that dividing line between the two. Drop the the give everybody a, a chance mindset. We got to give them a chance. And, and we're going to present opportunities. And it will cause you to operate and expect more excellence. It will cause you to think more sharply, more constructively, and and use more critical thinking in your operation. And when you communicate to the person that you are going to give the opportunity to, it puts them in a better state of mind. It gives them a better set of expectations and helps them to understand what they need to do and that they need to bring something to the table understanding there is a reciprocation that takes place. It's better communicated. It's more easily communicated. It's more clearly communicated when you talk about opportunities versus giving someone a chance. And this is 
really needed in the U.S. community today because a lot of people do have a handout mentality. A lot of people do have this mindset that somebody owes them something. And and no, that, that's just not the way it works today. And the more realistic folks' mindsets are, the better off they're going to operate anyway once they come into the role that they're finally able to land. So I hope that I was able to drive home that point. I, I feel like I could have done a better job today. I'm being hard on myself now. But again, it's really important. So give people opportunities, absolutely. Uh, but let's get rid of the give them a chance thing because it's really causing a lot of problems. And it's not until you break it down that that we understand it. So that's all the time we have for today. I, I've got some other things on this list, but I simply am not, I don't have the time to do it. So we'll address them during another UX Popper recessions. And we will do these from time to time, but we want to take this time to wish everyone a happy new year. We want to take this time to express, I want to take time myself to express thanks for your taking the time out to listen to the world of UX podcast. I want to thank all of you who have who have taken the time to give me feedback and and to share your appreciation for what we have been doing out here. I want to express my thanks to the CXFM Radio Network, Michigan State University. So happy and, and was so honored and privileged that they, they asked me to, to do this podcast when I've had an absolute ball doing it. And uh, we I'm just looking forward to some great things for 2022 again bringing a lot of of guests we're going to be wrapping up the the series on emotional intelligence very soon and we've got a ton of other wonderful and enriching topics that are going to be coming forth in the not too distant future one i'm gonna i want to sort of um promote a little bit right now i'm putting together one episode where i'm going to be actually more than one episode where we're going to be talking to all new uxers and just getting their perspectives their voices need to be heard their stories need to be told and i'm i'm excited and and i'm honored to be able to to be a vehicle to help get those stories out there to help as many other people as we can so again uh thank you everyone thank you thank you thank you and uh happy new year (laughs) happy new year And, and again be safe out there looking forward to the end of this pandemic but that's all the time we have for today folks thank you again for listening until next time this is the host of the world of ux podcast darren hood happy uxing everybody thanks for joining us for this session of cx of m radio Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.